And as they all make their way back to their seats, I want to invite you to meet me in Mark chapter 2. If you have a Bible, Mark chapter 2 or on the phone. That's where we're going to be this morning as we jump back into uh, what for us is a, a, a long chapter 2. We're just going to look at verses 1 through 5, but keep that open because we'll come back to it several times here uh, throughout our time together this morning. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, just want to plant this seed. How many times when you are reading through Scripture does it name the place that they are at? Right? And sometimes it's hard to pronounce these things. We're like, oh, what? I don't know what this word is, and so we skip over it. But don't miss how often the Scriptures name places. Jesus entered Capernaum. The people heard that he had come, and they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by the four of them, since they could not get him to Jesus. Another phrase that I want to kind of just let that marinate in your brains for a moment. They could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Father, we pray now for our time in Scripture today. Would you speak to us? Would you take all the stuff that we bring into this moment this morning and hold it for us so that we can be fully present in this moment? ready to receive from you whatever it is that you want to say to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, this fall, we have two great conversations that we're going to be spending some time in. They're, they're going to kind of run parallel to each other. One of them is called Integrity, and we're going to kick that off next week. So uh, come back to find out what that series is going to be all about. The other, though, is this ongoing conversation here at Discovery called Practice, right? The practices or spiritual disciplines, as they are sometimes referred to, are so central to who we are as a church, who we are becoming as followers of Jesus. Our desire here is to be whole people. Whole people, not just brains walking around on legs, but whole people who live authentically the ways of Jesus in every aspect of our lives. We are, as Jesus says, heart soul, mind, and strength. And so we take his word seriously when he says to love God and to love each other with all of that, with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, loving well is not simply a matter of learning more things, acquiring more information. This is about, again, our whole life being oriented and organized around the rhythms and patterns of Christ. And our premise in this conversation is this. We cannot simply will our way into this kind of life. We cannot simply wake up in the morning and go, you know what, today, today I'm going to do it. I'm going to try real hard and I'm going to love God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Cannot just try harder. We have to practice. I recently started swimming again. And I don't know exactly what I was thinking, but in my mind, I was like, 2,000 yards seems like a good goal. 
So I jump in the pool on day one, and I swim approximately 50 yards, and I think to myself, there's no way. There is no way that this is happening. I cannot, just because I want to, I cannot dive into a pool and swim 2,000 yards just because it's something that I want to do. I have to practice. I have to train. And over time, my body is transformed. I am becoming the kind of person who is able to swim 2,000 neighbors. In the same way, I cannot simply say I'm going to try hard to love God and to love my neighbors. You know, sort of that like Nike, just do it mentality. No, we need to practice this. And so for the last 2,000 years, Jesus' followers have found that the spiritual disciplines, the practices, are these tremendous aids in transforming us into more loving people. And if you've been with us recently, we've been uh, in the book of Ephesians. We've been talking a lot about uh, this idea of our identity, who God says that we are, and then how we live into that identity as dearly loved children. This is how we grow into that identity. Dearly loved children by practicing the practices, practicing the ways and rhythms of Jesus. Or as Jesus says it, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who built their house on the rock. Now today we're considering the practice of community, which we have not hit yet in this conversation. Having said that, this is not a new concept for us here at Discovery. We talk about community all the time. And it's not just because community is a good idea or it's, it's nice to have some friends, some people who know who you are. We really believe that reality is relational at its core. The doctrine of the Trinity, if God really truly exists as three in one, Father, Son, Spirit, this perfectly loving, self-giving community, then that should inform everything, right? That should inform how we think theologically, how we live out the reality of being church together, even how we read scriptures. Everything is relational. One of our core values is, is this, relationships. We have a hashtag for it, better together. By the way, so many people have stolen that hashtag. Very annoying. But the way we sum it up here is, is that phrase you see on the screen there. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of right relationships. This is why Jesus came. To be with us. To make it possible for us to live in right relationship with God, with each other, with this world that he has created. So this is not really a new conversation for us, but thinking about it through the lens of practices is maybe a different twist on it. And so hopefully this is helpful for us as we prepare for the fall. So Mark chapter 2, one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. I want us to look at four elements, if you will, of practicing community. One of them is going to be this sort of big overarching principle. And then I want to talk about three skills or drills. Today is the beginning of football season. My man Luis has got the right shirt on today. Go Niners. It's gone, it's gone already. You can put it back, Trevor. That's fine. There we go. Football season is starting. And if I don't know if you guys like football or not. I, I get the sense that maybe most of us don't, which is totally cool. But in, in the world of football, there's this idea of systems, right, that coaches have certain kinds of systems that they like 
to run, particularly on offense. There's things like option and West Coast offense and spread offense. There's all these different systems that coaches will run. Our system here at Discovery, if you will, is relational, is relationships. And one of the ways that we say this is we value people over programs. So if we are going to run a relational system, what are some of the skills that can help us run that type of system? All right, that's what we're going to look at here this morning. So first, the big overarching principle is that communities have a sense of mission. Healthy communities have a sense of mission. Real quick caveat here. Uh, It is a beautiful thing to have people in your life, relationships in your life, that are about nothing else than you just delight being together. That, That you can just hang out and spend that time together. There isn't any sort of bigger purpose or we got to figure something out or whatever. It's just that, 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 that oh, we just love hanging out and spending time together. That, that is a beautiful thing, a beautiful gift. In our achiever culture, it's well documented that, that we've commodified friendship. And so again, we, we need to be able to hang out with people for no other reason than we just love to be together. But that being said, a a true community, a healthy community must have a mission, must have some outward impulse that that pushes it beyond itself. Right? Otherwise, you know, communities become these kind of, can become these inward sort of of, of things. There's this old phrase um, that that when fishermen don't fish, they fight. And and the idea is that, like, you know, these guys, they, they hang out together all the time. They go fishing, but when the fish aren't biting, they end up, you know, they, they kind of chat for a little while, but eventually they start kind of picking at each other, making fun of each other's shirts, whatever it might be, right? It becomes this inward thing. It has to have an outward impulse. These four guys in the story today are on a mission. Get our friend to Jesus. Which, by the way, if you want to plant a church, this is a beautiful mission statement for a church, right? Get our friends to Jesus. The way we say it here at Discovery is discovering the good news of Jesus together. It's the same idea, right? How do we help people take that next step closer to Jesus? This is the mission that they are on. Healthy communities have a mission, something that they exist for beyond themselves. Now, three skills within this. The first skill, and these are in no particular order, so just just take that for whatever it's worth. But the first skill that we see here is resilience. Resilience. I think various places, you know, different aspects of our lives, I'm sure, but we've all sensed or felt or even been wounded by the fragility of communities. And I do think one of the questions, one of the barriers that we have that can at times hold us back from the gift of community is this question, but what happens when it gets hard? Who's going to stick with me? Will these people bail if things become challenging? These four guys. On this mission, get our friend closer to Jesus, they encounter various obstacles, right? Large crowds, an unclear path forward, their first attempt is thwarted. But within all that, they are not daunted. And in that resilience, they come up with this creative kind of wild solution. Now, homes 2,000 years ago different than today. Nonetheless, the, the audacity to go, 
the roof. We'll dig a hole in the roof. Right? It, it is to me this demonstration of we're not giving up. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people here and this may not be the best time and maybe we'll come back tomorrow or all the different excuses they could have made. No, no, no. Let's dig a hole in the roof. Because that sense of mission, we got to get our friend closer to Jesus, was so strong with them. Strong, healthy communities have a resilience to them. They're able to bounce back. They're able to react creatively with imagination. Oh, that didn't work. Let's try this. Uh, we had this idea and it, it kind of bombed. That's okay. We're going to do a different one. And I just got to say, I, one of the things um, I would never, ever, 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 ever wish a pandemic on anybody. And if we could avoid having to do that again, that would be, that would be wonderful. But what COVID has shown me is the resilience of this church. The resilience of this community, the creativity of this body of people. And to be now, you know, committed and who years or whatever it's been on this side of it and to see who's here and who's committed and who's a part of this is, is beautiful. Right? Communities need to practice this skill of resilience. It's not just something that happens. It is a skill that is built. And I, again, am just grateful for the ways that you guys have demonstrated that here. Second skill is submission. We talked about this uh, about a month ago during our conversation in Ephesians. You remember as we were working our way through the second half of the letter, again, the first part of the letter was all about who you are. This is how much God loves you. The second part, here's some practical ways then to, to live in that love. Paul, as he writes the letter, builds up to this statement, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The model for us here is the man on the mat. The four guys are awesome. We're going to talk more about them in a minute. But also think about the man on the mat for a moment. There's, there's kind of some like fun questions you can ask about the man on the mat. Was he into this? Like, Did he even want this? Or, or was he like, I thought we are just going to In-N-Out. But what are we doing? We're, going, we're like... What is this crowd? What is, we're going through the roof? The truth is we have no idea. We don't have really any idea about what he was thinking and feeling in the moment. What we can say, though, is he submits to this adventure. Uh, he, he submits to this very public thing that no one knows how it's going to end and wind up. But he goes with it. Too many of us want the answers before we get started. We want to know who's going to be there and what's it going to be like and will they like me and what are we going to do and is it all going to work out? And I get that because I have all those same questions myself. But again, sometimes that, that posture can be a huge barrier to us receiving the gift of community. As a church, and I mean this both for us here at Discovery but also the church, we can absolutely do a better job of 
helping people feel welcomed and connected. But a lot of us refuse to be the man on the mat. If we're being honest, a lot of us refuse to be the man on the mat, which means refusing the gift of community. To be the man on the mat is to accept the gift of community as opposed to demanding the community conform to your image. Sometimes we cut ourselves off from the adventure because <clears throat> all these people listen to the wrong music or read the wrong books or have different opinions on things or they talk about this thing too much or they don't talk about that thing enough or whatever it might be. It goes on and on, but numerous Studies reveal that as a culture, we're suffering from this loneliness epidemic. Yet imagine the ways that the man on the mat could have resisted this. I'm not going. I don't have time for this. I don't like, you know, left corner guy, never returns my text. I, I mean, whatever it could have been, so many things that we use to make excuses, right? And he could have missed it. He would have missed it. Sometimes we need to set aside, I mean, these, some of these questions are really good questions, but sometimes we need to set them aside and just submit to the adventure of relationships to accept that these are the people, right? These four guys, they picked up my mat and they're trying to get me closer to Jesus. These are, these are the people who are with me, who are. I'm just going to receive it. Final skill is discernment. If the big picture goal, again, is get our friend to Jesus, then the discernment question is that super, super important question. Well, how do we do that? <laughs> right? What is the next step? I want you to, again, put yourself into the place of the four friends. First of all, someone had to say, we're doing this. Had to be the kind of first mover, right, to say, you know what, like Jesus, he's back in Capernaum, he's at so-and-so's house, we're going. We're going. We're taking our friend with us. Who's with me? Right, that, that's a form of discernment. It's time to move. Maybe it's, it's you know, maybe he has this like who's with me moment. Some of them, those other three guys are like, okay, we'll go. We'll go. There's the discernment of like, I'll jump in. I'll give it a shot. I don't know where we're going. I don't know so-and-so's house. But I can carry the corner of the mat. Let's do this. Maybe it's the discernment of like, wow, there's a lot of people here. Um, we could look dumb. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're, we might look dumb, but we're going to keep going. There's a discernment of creativity. Let's try the front door. Nope, too crowded. Let's try the side door. Nope, too many people over there. Let's, let's try the roof. And then you get up on the roof. And, you know, again, these are old houses, right? There's no, like, like, let's dig a hole. Right? All these different steps. Just do the next thing. Just do the next thing and see what happens. A lot of us, we have this, we want to, like, control the outcome. Which and sometimes, I mean, it comes from a good place, right? We want our friend to be healed. We want him to walk. We want him to go running with us or whatever we do for fun. But 
but then, like, you know, there's these obstacles or things that get in the way or it's not happening the way that we want it to happen. And so we, we give up and we leave. We can't control the outcomes. We want the healing, of course. But we can't control it. Even after everything that they go through, the idea, the execution, the, the, we're blocked, we go up on the roof, we dig a hole, we drop them down. What does Jesus do? Jesus, he forgives his sins. Right? Can you imagine you're going through all that work, get him closer to Jesus, get him closer to Jesus, you drop him down there and Jesus is like, these guys have faith, your sins are forgiven. What? No, you're supposed to make him walk. And of course, Jesus, being Jesus, he's, he sees this as an incredible opportunity to say something about who he is. Uh, you know, this is only chapter 2 in the Mark story, the way that Mark tells the story of Jesus. And already he's talking about, you know, I'm the son of God, and I have the power to forgive sins. And the religious leaders are getting really upset about, how, who's this guy? How, how come he has the power to forgive sins? And he turns it into this very teachable moment. And then the end, the, the mic drop moment is he heals this guy. But there's, that, there's this time where I'm sure those friends have dropped their friend down in there. They're super excited. We did it. We got him to Jesus. And Jesus offers him forgiveness of sins and then gets into a theological debate. And you're like, oh, man, like, <laughs> this is not how, how we wanted it to go. You cannot control the outcomes. All we can do is get people closer to Jesus. All we can do is do whatever we can to remove those barriers to try to help people take that next step closer to Jesus. The healing will happen when they are in proximity to Jesus. And it may not happen on our timing. It may not happen the way that we want it to. It's not, our, it's not on us. Our job is to discern what's the next thing. What's the next thing? What's the next step? And just do that thing and trust that Jesus knows what he's doing and the healing will come when the time is right. This is why for us here at Discovery, one of our big measures of growth is movement. It's not the final product. And what I mean by that is we're looking to measure how are people taking that next step. So some places, that certainly I've been a part of these cultures, they just want to get to the finish line. Like, did they, did, are people taking the next step closer to Jesus. The end result is awesome. Jesus drops the mic, the, friends, uh, the friend gets up, the five of them walk out. But they couldn't manufacture that. The process is what they could offer. And in the end, in the end, it was their faith that healed the man on the mat. Right? That's what Jesus says when he saw their faith. Very, very fine line, right? But they can just do what they do and then they let Jesus do the rest. Now, every time we consider a practice, we generate a resource that we call practice to practice. See what we did there? Uh, if you ever want to go back and see some of the things that we've done before, you can find all of this on the webpage. But for this time around... We don't have a resource in the typical sense for this practice. You know, here's eight things to do or three books to read or whatever it might be. We just have an invitation. We just have an invitation. 
And that invitation is to join what we are calling neighborhood communities. Join a neighborhood community. Which conceptually are, are new for us, but again, not really. This is the product of four years of loving labor, blood, sweat, and tears poured into rethinking and dreaming what community life could look like here at Discovery. Neighborhood communities are these smaller midweek gatherings, anywhere from 12 to 30 people, organized by neighborhood, where they meet two to three times a month to create and sustain relational environments for discipleship and mission to flourish and multiply at discovery. Now, that's a mouthful. Do not expect you to memorize that. The TLDR is this. God is at work in your neighborhood. Let's join that. God is at work in your neighborhood. Let's join that. Back to where we started. In scripture, we see the names of places all the time. Jesus goes to Capernaum. This whole scene, this healing happens in a neighborhood, in a home. God cares about places. God cares about your street, your apartment building, your block, your neighborhood. It's in the neighborhood where we live and work and play and where our kids go to school. This is where we go on the adventure of community together. This is where we get into the nitty-gritty, if you will, of practicing resilience and submission and discernment. Now, there's probably a lot more that could be said about these. I just want to very quickly walk through a couple of things. This fall, we're launching six of these. They're organized by the, the sort of broad strokes, directional neighborhoods of Davis, east, north, south, and west. Um, we're also going to have a, a, what we're calling a campus neighborhood community for undergrads, which will be led by the interns. There we go. And then we're also looking to start one sort of west of town that for now we're calling the Solano neighborhood. Three times a month they explore our rhythms of discipleship together. We, this is where we process what we are learning, where we love and serve our neighbors, where we pay attention to what is God doing in this place and how can we join him there. The... Details, information for this is, is on the webpage or will be on the webpage very soon. I do want to invite those of you who are um, sort of hosting these groups, if you are willing to just stand briefly, that would be great. There we go. Clap for them, sir. And so again, after the gathering today, if you want to know more about that, you can find one of those folks who was just standing, go ask them um, what they are up to. But the invitation is simply this, to go, to figure out what's going on in your neighborhood, join the neighborhood community there and see what happens. And to make this really, really simple, I think one of the things that has happened over the last couple of years, and I feel it deeply um, in both a positive and a negative sense, is we've just gotten out of the practice of meeting regularly in homes. And... Again, for a long time, that was totally necessary and a very good and wise thing to do. But this is a muscle, like, like swimming. This is a muscle that we need to rebuild. 
just that regular hanging out with one another, getting back into that practice, rebuilding that muscle. So again, my invitation for you this fall is to just, just go figure out which, your neighbor, which neighborhood community is yours. Go be a part of, of the launch and let's see what happens from there. Are you with me? All right, I want to invite the band to come back. And as they come back up, I'm going to prepare us for a communion, which we're going to do a little bit differently today. During our closing songs, uh, I want there's four stations here around the theater. During our closing songs, come and take the elements, um, but bring them back to your chair with you because I want us to all do this together communally at the end as we close our, our, our gathering today. But as we prepare for this moment, I just want to say this. I feel like it's really important to name this truth. Friendship is one of the primary ways in which we are healed. It is one of the primary ways in which God does this work in our lives to heal and restore us. And so we need, we need those four people, right, to pick up our mat at times and to carry us that next step closer to Jesus. But I also want to say that, that while friendship is deeply healing, friendship relationships can also be a source of some of our deepest wounds. That's both the beauty and the power and the risk, right, of being in community with people. And so as we get ready to take communion together here in just a minute, I want you to just sort of sit with that. When it comes to the healing part, what are the barriers? What's holding you back from being more invested in or receiving the gift of community? And then on the other side of that, are there some wounds? Are there some wounds that you need to name that maybe you need to have a conversation with Jesus about? And I'm not saying it's gonna happen right now, but maybe there's an opportunity for healing for those wounds to begin to be healed, both through that cup one more time, to friendships and relationships with people who will help us take that next step closer to Jesus. So as we sing these songs, have that conversation with God, take the elements back to your seat, and then we'll close our time together uh, by eating and drinking together. <laughs>